You are listening to High Shelf Gaming Podcast, a podcast where myself, David Gillespie, and my friend Rich talk about out-of-the-way games that we enjoy, the conventions we play them at, and anything our friends want to jump on and talk about. If that sounds like what you're looking for, please have a listen. We've added some social media places for you to join us in talking about games and RPGs. We're on Twitter, at High Shelf Gaming, and we have a Facebook group called High Shelf Gaming Podcast. Click to join, we'll get you added in. It's a closed group, but we're friendly to all game enthusiasts. Another thing that Rich and I are going to start doing is we want to start doing a contest to try and get some more reviews on iTunes. If you go to iTunes and leave a review for High Shelf Gaming Podcast, you'll be entered in to win a Steam code for Small World 2. everyone. Welcome again to High Shelf Gaming Podcast. This is David Gillespie, your host, and of course I am joined by my co-host, now signed and official, Rich Wisniewski. Rich, say hi to the nice folks. Well, I'm not going to say I returned the paperwork yet, but you are the host with the most, and I'm the guest that's the best, and pretty soon to be the co-host. So I got to come up with a little rhyme there pretty soon. So, so uh, we'll see if I can work that out. So it's not official until you come up with a rhyme. That's, that's well, and I got to return the paperwork, and I got to have a haiku built into the paperwork, and then, you know, maybe like if you capitalize every first letter, it turns into, you know, something from Tron, and then it'll be official. Right, right. Yeah, you have all contracts have to have haikus in them. Otherwise, yes. you know, there's no poetry in business. So, yeah. yeah. Why do business? <laughs> okay, good. So, today, uh, what are we talking about, Rich? At Dungeons and Dragons. I was about to say advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And then it's really just Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I mean, because we're talking about the whole spectrum from white box. To, I mean, what, fuck, what edition is right now? I don't even know. Fifth or next, depending Fifth, on when next. you... Oh, that's right. I did a next play test with my team yeah. where we actually downloaded next and we put it in the binder and we tried it, which was going to become the next... Is it fifth? Yeah, it's fifth. It's not fifth, yeah. Okay. And everyone hated fourth, right? Uh, some people, the people who joined at fourth, loved fourth. But everybody yeah. who was before... Didn't like it. And and even um, – we'll talk about it. We'll talk about fourth. We'll, we'll okay, we will. And if you liked fourth and I rag on it, uh, please just email S-U-C-K at highshelfgaming.com. <laughs> That's an email address that doesn't work, by the way, folks. So if you email S-U-C-K at highshelfgaming, good luck because you're not going to get anything back. Send all complaints there. Yeah. That's our suggestion box. It's our catch-all yeah. fan email. Uh, no, you can always reach us on uh, Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, please, of course, join our group. We want to hear from you. We don't want you to email a, an empty email box. Um, okay, so D&D. Man, I played D&D the first time when I was in, like, middle school. And I didn't actually pick it up again until I want to say college. Cause in high school, I played a lot of white wolf. That was white wolf was big when I was in high school, you know, quote unquote big in the, in the role-playing sense, it was big. Um, so I played a lot of that in high school, but D and D I played advanced dungeons and dragons in middle school. Um, and 
kind of liked it then. I don't think I had the best crew, but man, now I love it. I, I play it all the time. It's been, it's probably one of my favorite settings and rule systems. It's just, it really sets the bar for everything else in my view. Dude, dude. Hmm. Playing White Wolf, were you listening to like The Cure too and all that in high school? <laughs> I did dude, listen to it. I listened to a lot of Nirvana. Emo? Were you no. emo before emo? No, emo wasn't a thing back then. I was I was punk and goth, and if you're kind of goth, you're into White Wolf. So that's just okay. how it was. And so, yeah, I listened to a lot of Nirvana and you know uh, uh, Dead Kennedys and all that kind of stuff back then. And you know, so sure, <laughs> I was I was definitely an alternative teen uh, back when you know that was a thing. Well, have you seen um, what is it? Strange Things on Netflix. Yes. Yes. The, the, the little skinny kid. That was me. I mean, literally, I came up in the seventies, and again in middle school, got got exposed to D and D. But it was the red, it was the the red box. I mean, you know, we're talking. Um, gosh, if we were to play around, I think that was uh, red box was um, eighty three okay. uh, was when it was released, and so. I'm not going to say when I graduated high school because there might be some honeys that want to reach out to me, but that I was in I was in late middle school red box, and then we moved the AD, we moved to the D D ADD books before second edition, and we we were playing like you know Friday nights, spending that over people's houses, and and of course during high school we're in the cafeteria playing around, trying not to get wedgies, trying not yeah. to get head shit in the toilet. And, you know, enjoying the beauty of D&D. And then after high school, I kind of took a hiatus. So sure. mine's kind of a little, little weirder, a little turnaround that, you know, after high school, I started working and, and life got in the way. And it wasn't until a little bit later I came back to it. Let's level set a little bit. For people who haven't played D&D before that might be listening mm. to this, I, I don't, your first game comes at some point for everybody. Really, If you're going to play D&D, you got to have your first game sometime. So D&D is community story building, storytelling, where you and your friends or the people you're sitting around the table with, you all imagine this world together. There's one person who's kind of in charge of the world, the dungeon master, and they're telling you what's going on around you and what you see and all these sorts of things. And the, the other players are in charge of character and they're, they're one character. So they're in charge of one person in this world. And that person is their personal hero. And they're a part of a group of heroes say three, four, five large, maybe it's more, maybe it's just a one-player game, whatever it is. Either way, you're as a player, you're in charge of a person, and the dungeon master is in charge of the world. And as you say, hey, I'm going to try and do this thing, the dungeon master tells you whether or not you succeed or fail based on dice and rules. It's a community game of storytelling, of saying, all right, you start at a tavern, you find out about a problem, you go and try and solve the problem. There's adventure there. There's strife. There's suffering. There's triumph. And then you come back to the tavern and then you, you know, celebrate with your friends or do what have you or move on to the next town, to the next city within this imaginary world. Wow. That had to be one of the best explanations of d and I've ever heard. Because, you know, sometimes I stand out with people and they go, oh, hey, you're going to a, a geek convention. And, you know, they use the right name. Yeah. What do you do that? And I, I play D and D, and then it's like, how do I explain that? I think I'm going to cut this recording, 
put it on my phone and just hit play. You know, because really was, you know, you could then you, they could ask questions about what are these rules and dice? What is what is this storytelling? What is this? And then we could branch off of that. But that base explanation you did was great. Um, you know, I would say for, for anybody that's really curious, go look up Tom Hanks in uh, Mazes and Monsters, which isn't that funny? Dungeons and Dragons, Mazes and Monsters. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That was the that was the 1980s. Uh, you know, it's all full of the devil and everybody's going to kill themselves. Um, uh, hype that was yeah. around Dungeons and Dragons. And thank God my parents never watched real TV um, because they never really knew any of that. Yeah, yeah. I, my mom, uh, when I was starting to play role-playing games, she asked me about that. It's like, is it really oh. demonic? And I was like, no, mom, it's not. Like, it's... No. <laughs> I mean, we do the elephant walk and we're naked, but you know, like, no, this, this is good fraternity fun, you know. There's no real there's no real summoning of demons. It's just we try really hard and it never works. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we try really hard and it never works. No, no, but is that the Alice commercial? Kelly Everton is out. No, Kelly, leave it in. This is so good. Okay, so, <laughs> so, um, no, my my mom asked, and I and I just emphatically said no, and she she trusted me enough to know that I wasn't doing something stupid, um, but yeah, it definitely had a stigma to it, and I think that stigma is gone now, but for a while there, it really struggled with its public opinion hey i'm gonna be honest we didn't make it any better because i remember my friend carrying a briefcase with the D books in it um yeah i look back and go we didn't really help ourselves very much but you know what i do have to say this this group of D players and tabletop gamers are one of the most inclusive people i've ever met in the world yeah you know what i mean whether i'm just a basic old nerd right so people have always been inclusive in that in that area, but um, I know with myself, gosh, race, creed, color, religion, uh, LGBT, you, none of that matters. Do you want right. to game? Do you want to have a good time? Do you want to laugh? Right. Do you want to do you want to share? And and you know D and D, you got to kind of do that. You got to kind of put it up. You just can't sit there and not participate. Yeah. You won't have fun. Yeah. No. But okay. So so Gary Gagax and his buddies, they made D and D. They made it what it was. Um, bunch of, you know, white nerds in their basements making up games and doing this kind of stuff, making up war games, making up rules around war gaming, right? And then making yeah. D&D what it is um, certainly has its root in like nerd boy culture. But I think that today you're right. It's very inclusive and it's very, uh, you know, when I go to Gen Con and I see people playing, you know, I see all kinds of 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 creeds and 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 ethnicities and and religious backgrounds are, are playing D anD D now. At my own table is mostly women that are playing the game, and so like it has it started off in a very uh, kind of small segment of the population, but I think it's grown a great deal. So that you have a lot of different people playing this game, and and there's a good reason for it. It's just a good game. It's just fun because I mean, A D anD D was not easy to play. Yeah. And that's why I play it a lot. It's it's pretty confusing. Um, I've had to homebrew some rules, and I'll usually explain that to whoever. Uh, and for those listening, I like to normally play AD&D and run an event every year at Gen Con. 
Um, for the past few years, I've been the only AD in the event at Gen Con. Really? And I like to keep that alive, and I like to tell people about the game and how some of the things were really kind of messed up. I mean, they made this book, right? And they didn't really have it all worked out. It's not like today's publishing right. back in the early 80s. They just kind of wrote it all down and, and sent it out. And there would be some contradictions and, uh, you know, trying to figure out who has advantage or, or who has the ability to go first in a battle. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there are some flow charts you can look up online that take eight to nine steps to figure out who goes first in battle. Now, I homebrew that and I explain that to the groups. But... That looseness of rules yeah. and that emphasis yeah. on role playing are what attract me to D and D. Whereas some people like, um, you know, three point five for some of its feats and some of its its character generation, and the characters can become these large life things, um, and that's what draws them. But you know, I think D and D that's that's the crazy thing. It has something for everyone over the last thirty years. Yeah. It so uh about the history there about the different editions. So there was Dungeons and Dragons White Box. Right? Yep. And then Red Box. And then AD and D or was AD and D with Red Box? You know, we're gonna find out that in the once we start hitting that red box kind of thing, there are first edition books and then there's the red box and they kind of played into it that you would get red box and grow into blue box and then go from blue box into the AD&D books, but second edition did not officially hit until like 89, which was the end of my high school career, and that was when the new player handbook, and a lot of people say Thacko, yeah. you know, comes out of that second edition area. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of crossover in that um, 80s kind of period, if you ask me. Yeah. Now, if you're a rules lawyer out there and you have it perfectly worked out, please email S-U-C-K at HighShelfGaming.com. Um, or go to the Facebook, Twitter page and, and bring it up to David's attention. So, all right. So those were all the way through second edition. I really think that second edition, it's almost the best edition. There are some weird things about it. Rules-wise, there's some weird stuff going on in there. People love it. But the stories and the settings available in second edition, oh. you can't find in future editions. Greyhawk, Greyhawk. not there uh -huh. anymore. Isn't that funny? We said the same thing at the same time. <laughs> Was not rehearsed. Yeah. We both said Greyhawk. I um, mean, wow. Yep. Ravenloft barely made it into third edition. Uh, Forgotten Realms is now the setting, right? But back then, it was one of the footnote settings. It was it carried a very small part of the whole setting ethos. And that's one of the cool things about D&D is that you could take those rules and apply them to so many different settings and get so many different story possibilities that it was very flexible in that way. I mean, Red Kingdom doesn't even exist anymore. And Red Kingdom was a huge module. Garrett Gygax and the TSR group, they were interested and willing to support people who were making worlds or making additions to their worlds and putting in, hey, I've got some uh, wizard shop that I made. And it seemed like they would use some of that. They would pull that in either through the Dragon Magazine and all stuff. And it felt like you could make something and be in that world. You know, it, 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 and I wonder if, and, and I'm just kind of totally going off, you know, my own head here. The age of literature around you know game of thrones and that kind of jazz was very immature at that period too mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we had some literature, you know, the woods out back, we had the Hobbit, uh, you know, we, we had things on those lines, but a lot of those creative forces, I wonder if D and D the TSR and Gary Gygax was some of their release. And that's why we saw some of this great world building going on. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Cause there were so many people like the Dragonlance, the Dragonlance oh. books are straight out of D and D straight out You're of right. D and D. Yes. Really interesting stuff. No one has ever drawn that parallel before till now. Mark it down, listener. Give us credit. Um, <laughs> you, know, you mentioned Dragon. Um, but that whole idea of AD&D back then and that creativity, that was all new stuff. And Dragon was the place for it. D&D was the place for it. This world building was the place for it. And now we have a plethora of, of different, you know, the King Killer Chronicles, Game of Thrones, you know, we got so many areas where um, fantasy is entrenched, but it wasn't back then. Right, 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 right. And so I've heard some really interesting stories about the way Gygax started it all um, and the way that he enabled a lot of this empowerment is uh, people would call him up because you could look him up in the phone book back in the day. You know, I mean, like there was a time when you could just call Einstein. If you knew his number, you could call Einstein. And and because he was in the phone book, just like Gary Gygax was just in the phone book. So you look up his name and you call up the guy and, and you could talk to him and say, hey, so I had this issue come out in the on my in my table. You know, player wanted to do this thing and we weren't really sure on the rules. And here's what the problem was. And he would go, mm, OK, OK, well, how did you how did you solve that? What did you do? And he's like, oh, well, I. I did this. I, 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 I ruled it this way. And he goes, mm, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, I think you did the right thing. And, and it wasn't that the person was right or wrong. It's that Gygax understood that he made something that was fungible, something that was workable, but not rock solid gospel. So that whatever was fun for your table, whatever felt right at your table, that was the right call. And he supported that. It's like, if that felt good, then that's the right decision to make that's what you needed to do and i think that a lot of that when tsr was running it that's what it felt like it felt like this was a space where um you could figure it out and run with it and it was okay to like kind of make it up as you went house rule a lot of things i think that when wizards of the coast bought D, when they bought tsr some of that went away Maybe for the best, because now the rules got simplified, they got play-tested to the nines and all of that stuff. But it it ends up in this space where you don't feel like – I guess I don't feel like there's ever going to be another Ravenloft. I don't feel like there's ever going to be another um, world like that because TSR was so freeform with the way they, with the way they handled input and, and incoming suggestion versus the way it is now – feels very much like um, D&D is a mature, managed product, and it's doing an awesome job at making really fun games. But if you want you know, new worlds, you're going to have to go online. You're going to have to go and find um, the, the various forums that talk about D&D and world building. There's subreddits based all around world building and D&D. Um, you need to go to those places in order to get new worlds to play in if Forgotten Realms is not your cup of tea. But if Forgotten Realms is your cup of tea, then D&D is the place to be because they've got all the books for yeah. it, right? Yeah. 
Yes. Uh, I think there's a lot of influence between Greyhawk and things even as simple as Ready Player One. Have you have you read that oh, book yet yourself? Yeah, the world in Ready Player One. You're right. Yeah. You know, they they, they um, and now I'm missing the name, of course. Edit edit in me saying, you know, the main character's name is blank. Um, but I think that was, you know, based upon the idea of, you know, Big B and Merlin from um, Gygax days. They, they they had that influence. Not only is D in the in the in the show right. uh, or in the book Ready Player One, it's in Stranger Things. And you know we're seeing an uptick in in purchasing of those items. You know I collect a lot of first edition stuff. Oh, and um, you know it's getting to be that you go by the the half price stores or the or the used stores, and and instead of them being two dollars, they're full value or more when they're in good condition. And I heard on, uh, you know, looking at the subreddits on eBay that um, first edition stuff's taking an uptick. And I, and I think it has to do with Ready Player One, with strange, Stranger Things, and I think it has to do with people like you and me that go, hey, I want to do this other world. Mm-hmm. And it's just not there unless I go back mm-hmm. in time. Yeah, yeah, you have to go there, back to, to get this stuff. Because they are, like, I remember when fourth edition came out. So I tried fourth edition. And funny enough, when you go to Gen Con, every edition of D&D is represented except 4th edition. <laughs> so there's no rich keeping 4th edition alive no. at Gen Con, is what you're saying? Yeah. You're the one keeping AD&D alive. I know I've seen D&D, like 1st edition, oh, yeah. in there. And 2nd is all over the place. Yes. Everywhere. People love them some Thacko. Yes. They just love to say the word Thacko. <laughs> and you know what? I, I don't even remember if I can remember what Thacko stands for. Two hit armor class zero. There it is. That's what Two hit armor class zero. Well, people love that shit. So second edition's alive. 3.5 was just good. Yeah. Yeah. People still play 3.5 all the time. All the time. Yeah. And, and you can find plenty of games of that at Gen Con. And you can find fifth edition at Gen Con too. Fifth edition okay. is fun. I like 5th edition. Question. Yeah. Where did advantage and disadvantage come from? So so that was introduced officially in 5th edition. But the idea okay. came from, I think, Castles and Crusaders. Oh. Which was... Look at you going all meta and shit out of our podcast here to Castle and Crusaders. I think so. Because Castle and Crusaders is... After TSR was sold to Wizards of the Coast... Gygax wasn't done, he wanted to make more stuff, but he wasn't in the game anymore, so he made a new system called Castles and Crusaders, which is awesome, and it's basically, uh, an Im- there are some, some fundamental improvements, some fundamental differences, and I think the advantage-disadvantage came out of there, and so, so that people know what the advantage-disadvantage system is, in 3.5 and earlier editions, if you wanted to do something, you roll your D20, your big your big die, and that tells you whether or not you're going to win or lose. And the, the dungeon master might say, hey, because you have height advantage or because you have this special thing going or whatever, I'm going to give you a plus two to that roll or plus three or a plus five to that roll. And it's a... And the idea is... There plus are, two was super common. Yes. You know, oh, you get a plus two. Yeah, exactly. And the idea is that you get a little boost based on the situation that you're in. Not just your own skill, because your skills give you boosts too, but like situationally because of the environment, you're getting little boosts or little detractions here and there. And there were charts upon charts about when to add and take away the boosts, 
when to have minor detractions, all this kind of stuff. Mm. I even made some of those charts homebrew. Mm. They were so much fun to make. Oh, but yeah. yes. Oh, yeah, because it's like, oh, dude, I'm doing this and this and this. That means that I'm a total of a plus six plus my skill. Oh, I'm going to smoke mm. this. It's going to be so good. And adding all that stuff up was part of the fun. With 5th edition, they said, okay, we know that that's fun for a certain type of, I like adding things up and then rolling big numbers, and that's fun. You know, rolling big numbers is fun for people. But <laughs> regular people. <laughs> regular people, to make it more approachable, let's do advantage or disadvantage. So instead of adding up all your little bonuses and minuses that go on top of your roll, best to just roll 2d20. And if you have advantage, you get to keep the highest. And if you have disadvantage, yeah. And if that's all I can say, genius. I I play it with the board games, and I go, "How much fun is this?" Because sometimes they both turn out to be like a three and a seven, and you're like, "Son of a bitch, my (laughs) best roll is still sucking," and it makes (laughs) the game so fun. And at disadvantage, they can still turn out to be an eighteen and a nineteen. Yes, it's like. Dude, this is greatness. Whoever was sitting at TSR or with Watsy yeah. and said, guys, I got this idea. Yeah. They should get like like the Scotch uh, post-it guy. They should get like an extra bonus. Yeah. Yeah, because I – okay, advantage, disadvantage is really smart and a lot of fun because you roll 2d20. That feels good. Um, you get – you you know immediately which one you're going to pick, the highest or the lowest, depending on which state, state you're in. And, it, and if you don't have an advantage or disadvantage, it's just a normal rule. You do 1d20 and what you get is what you get. But it's much faster. You don't have to worry yes. about, oh, am I going to get a plus 2 or a plus 3? And, and and sometimes that matters. Your specific pluses matter, so you fight for yeah. them. And that isn't fun. And so to say, hey, you, you're, you're in a great position. I'm gonna give you, yeah, advantage, run with it. Exactly. And it's and I – so I've homebrewed that into some of my 3-5 games because I oh, like okay. it. Yeah, I like yeah. it so much in in fifth. It's like, eh, let's just bring that in. I think that's good enough. And fifth in general is really nice. Interesting. You know, I, I, I need to give fifth a try. And, and you know what else they've done well is they really brought back the idea of the Adventurers League. Um, yeah, and I shouldn't say they brought back. They've made an incredible investment in creating a um, system that people get together weekly. They they play a cohesive adventure Um and I'm having to just talk about it because I don't know it per se because I've never gone to an Adventurers League event. Mm-hmm. But it's the idea that create a community, create an area for people to play, create a common adventure. And I think that that helps it stay alive. That helps people be interested and have new ideas and be able to spark off those ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole like living campaign where you, where yeah. you have a character that's registered with uh, Wizards of the Coast – and they track it, you track it, and as you complete adventures, you grow in that space. It's kind of um, – it's really smart on their part because it means that you stay engaged. And it means that you're going to have a bigger community of players than just your table. And there was a guy who ran Bill's Books in Duncanville, Texas. And nice. Bill's Books was a BMX bike ride. I'm telling you, I am Stranger's Thing out of the core here. It was a BMX bike ride away from my house. And we would go there to get comics. You know, Eastman and Laird was brand new um, with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, you know, we were we were buying uh, Isaac Asimov and we were buying uh, Heinlein books. 
and there was this D&D red box and it somehow me and my friends got it and, and we just went from there. Um, so, and, and God knows how we played because we were just hanging out on Friday nights at each other's house on a sleepover. God knows how close we were to being right or not, but we had a really good time. We had a lot of good community. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that those, those memories you make, Dude, I still remember my favorite characters. I still remember my favorite stories. I still remember the the games that I ran where the players totally surprised me in the way they're going to solve their problems. Oh, dude, yeah, is I, that not crazy? I remember I had this one little thing all set up as a freaking trap, and I was like, "These guys are going to fucking come push the red button. I'm going to get to kill at least one of them." And they, they, they like created a different way of solving the puzzle that I didn't even think of. And I'm sitting there behind the shield going, you sons of a bitches. And I just had to let them do it. They rolled the die. They did good rolls. They had good strategy. It came together. And, yes, that's my 14th level paladin story. Yeah. So I won't tell it anymore. But, yes, it's awesome how we remember those events. Yeah. I, and I think that there's something about that. There's something about the – um, you're in a room with your friends, you're making this game up as you go, and you're all having a fun time, and then there's this moment where it's like, oh man, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Because the, a good GM will find things, will f- create problems that they don't even really know the path out. Right. You know, like, hey, this is the problem. I have no idea how you can get out of this problem. I, I'm not going to... It's not like a video game where we're going to plant the key in the thing and you're going to have to find it. No, no, no. Here's the problem. There's lots of ways out of this problem. That's it. There's lots of ways. Yep. I don't know which ones are even viable until you tell me which one you're interested in, right? Right. And Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you run modules or do you make your own stuff? What's your, what's your take? Oh, this is embarrassing. I've probably submitted – over a dozen modules to Dragon Dungeon, blah blah blah, over the years, and and of course never been published. Isn't that embarrassing? I shouldn't even be telling people about this, dude. That's um, awesome. You made. So I like mod- writing my own. I love writing my own, so and that's you, even- hold on, hold on, hold on. You've submitted stuff like you've written a whole yeah. things up and said, "Hey, here's here's oh, this- yeah. oh, tons dude. of shit." Never never gotten any never gotten any uh, traction to be in published. But it's, you know, it's what it is. I, and even those things that I've submitted, I've run with friends or I've run on Roll20, um, you know, because, you know, there's always a, a little theme you can go with, right? Whether it's the, uh, you know, the, the nugget of, um, you know, Carl Glitton gold is gone and you got to get it back. I mean, there's always a theme mm-hmm. you can tie into a village or to a place to bring people together to, to get to that end. So a lot of homebrew. But I've run some modules over the years because I'm an old guy. And those modules can take a year and a half to run. I, you know, I saw on Reddit somebody had a 35-year game going. It's kind of bullshit. But, you know, I, I kind of like ones that take a while. And I'm not opposed to killing people. And I know that's another thing that some GMs or, or DMs have a problem with is keeping people alive. Right. But if you die, you die. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, so I'm definitely a make make my own stuff guy too. But I've started doing, and I really like this, I'll go to modules. If I know the characters are going to be in a certain area, I'll look at a module in the area and I'll just pull big chunks of it out and put it into oh. the world. And if they're interested, I end up running them through a module. But around it is all this real world stuff that I made. 
you know, all this uh, David world stuff that I, I created for them. And so it's, you know, if I can fold it into my world, great. Awesome. But, you know, I think that's part of the fun is sitting down and creating. And that's why I always like to play the uh, DM, GM role many times because I enjoy the creating, um, you know, as much as some people enjoy the playing, you know. Yeah, there are some people out there that are awesome players and have zero interest in GMing, and I think that's great. Absolutely. Do what you want to do. I've been in crews where there's a group of players, and this one guy's the GM. He's always the only GM, and nobody else ever even considered that they should run a game. And I'd be like, hey, you know, how about I run a game sometime? And they'd all look at you like, uh, whoa. No man, Eric runs the games. That's it. We, none of us. It's like knights of the knights of the dinner table, you know, comic. The the one guy's always the GM. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was and it blows me away. The group dynamics in D anD D can be wide and varied, that sort of thing. But it blows me away that some people will end up in the GM role and never leave it. They'll never play because they're always the GM, right? Which I think is a weakness. Like you have to be in the player's yeah. shoes. Every so often. And then there are other people that are like, no, I, I've i never GM'd. I have no interest in GMing. It's like, I hear you. Run one. Make up one yeah. scenario and just run it. You know, just spend I agree. two hours and run through it. It doesn't have to be complicated. You could, you know, it doesn't have to be tough. Just, just run it just to see what it's like to run something and be responsible for making it fun. If you're a player and never run a game, look for a one-shot, download it off online, go get ready to do it, and have fun and try it. Yeah. It may be the worst experience in your life, but I bet you it's not. Yeah. I bet you it turns out to be a fun experience. Yeah. Just like I love to play. Now, I'm a terrible player. I, you know, I feel I'm a much better GM than I am a player because I always just go ahead and play the, uh, you know, the big half-orc. That just smashes everything because I, I I don't put as much thought into it as other players do. I mean, it's amazing how creative players can be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm just not there with a lot of them. Players have an interesting insight because they know what's fun for them, right? They know the moments that they loved. And when they go and make a one shot or they, they pull one down and they kind of tweak it a little bit for their own ends – they're going to input some of that. I know this is fun for me. Yep. So I'm going to make sure that scenario is in here for them. And they're going to get to enjoy what I enjoyed as a player. Right. And then GMs on their end of things, if they run as a player, they can be like, look, I know what I like to do as a GM, what's fun for me to GM. Right. But when you're, when you're the one in the hot seat and have to solve the problem, I think it gives GMs a really good way to realize how important good description is and how important it is to kind of flesh out the world and make it feel real so that they can be like, okay, you know, this problem that we had to solve was really tough to solve because I didn't have a good mental image of what the problem was. Right. And that's, I don't know. There's something about that. You gotta, you gotta switch your roles up every so often just to see what it's like on the other side so that you can do better at whatever it is you're normally doing. You know, if we've, we've been talking a lot to where anybody is sitting there and going, Gosh, you know, I've really never looked at AD&D first edition. I would definitely put them or point them towards dragonsfoot.org. Online, it's a big AD&D location. 
that you can get a lot of information, um, you know, let alone the uh, player's handbooks, things on those lines. Great resource. Yeah, just put in Dragon's Foot. It'll probably be the first thing that comes up because let, let's be honest, how many websites are probably called Dragon's Foot? Um, porn, sure, but, you know, AD&D, probably the top. If you want to go in the Wayback Machine and find some really cool stuff, it's all there. You just got to do a little hunting, and there's some really cool settings and and just really neat stories to be unearthed in that whole kind of Wayback Machine world. And if you don't want to go all the way back, you literally go pick up a player's handbook, a DM guide, and a module. Mm-hmm. And you can get started. Or go to your local game shop and say, when is Adventurers League? Yeah. And you show yeah. up, and there will be 25 people that will be so glad to show you about the world of D&D. Don't bring dice. Don't bring a pencil. Well, bring a pencil and some paper. Yeah. And even if you don't have those things, I carry extra. Everyone else carries extra. We will freaking load you up with what you need. Um, it's, a, it's a great community of caring people that uh, just, just want to have fun, man. Yeah. Yeah, really fun. Really fun game. Really fun community. Uh, you know, obviously find your place to go play in D&D. Like Rich said, there's lots of places to go and play and communities to join online with Roll20, in your gaming store. All these different areas are, are available to you. Uh, it's a really super fun game. And I don't know, just some of my best memories come from playing D&D and other role-playing games. Thanks for listening. That pretty much does it for this week's episode about Dungeons and Dragons and Rich and I's uh, long history with that fantastic game. This is going to kind of start off a series that we're going to be doing on Dungeons and Dragons. So if you're keeping up at home, we've got a series that we're doing about Gen Con, a kind of a survival guide. We have some more episodes around that. And then we're going to start a series right now about Dungeons and Dragons. And in that, we're going to talk about the board games. We're going to talk about GM tips. And we're going to talk about some of the games that I'm running. I, I kind of want to do a, a game diary to kind of share the stories that uh, my friends and I are making at our table. We've got a Facebook group called High Shelf Gaming Podcast. And of course, we're on Twitter as well, at High Shelf Gaming. Within the Facebook group, though, we every week discuss games that we all want to play. And every Friday, High Shelf Gaming does a Twitch stream where we all play a board game together, either on Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia. It's a really fun time. We all just kind of get together and play games together, and we stream the whole thing out. And we just have a great time. So if that's something you'd like to participate in, join the Facebook group, vote on the game you want to play. We'll all play it together, stream it out live, and just have a great time. Again, thanks for listening. Have fun and play well.